You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, it's Friday. Alabama's off, but hey, we're on at Free. It's the Friday place to be. Drop by and see us. They've got a tremendous meet and three. They call it the Lucky Lunch, and indeed it is. Of course, they've got some cold beers and all the libations you want, and sandwiches and wraps and burgers. So whatever you want, come on by and see us. We'll be here until 2, but you can drop by here all the time. So that being said... Welcome to the show. Lars is with us. Of course, it's Friday, so Larley Thompson, the Bama broker, is with us. Larley, when you walked in, I saw you stare at that big uh, sandwich board for the meat and three. Yeah. Did you figure out what you wanted already, or am I putting you on the spot? Well, no, I already looked. Of course, I have to have my fried pickles to start off okay. with. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm going to stick with the Kanaka sausage because it's really good yeah i i had one bite of yours when you ordered about five weeks ago and it was delicious along with the sorted sides lars how are you today man it's i can't believe it's 80 it's going to be 85 today and the date is october 27th you up for that you're gonna have class outside next week (laughs) we talked about that yesterday uh I used to have class outside, and um, then I realized I can't really sit Indian style for an hour yeah. and a half, two hours. And and uh, as I said yesterday, when I when I go down to try to sit, it's uh, it's like a twenty one gun salute of knee pops so, and getting up as yeah. we discussed yesterday. But uh, you know, I will I'll put it to a vote to the class, and if they want to go outside, I'll I'll tough it out, and we'll go outside. Next we'll just week. get you a little. Lawn chair, you know? Yes. You can sit there and rock. Yes. Well, that'll be your last good weather day till it gets cold on uh, Wednesday. There's yeah. a front coming in, and I do not like I'm, cold weather. I'm flying to Nebraska uh, after this show, and I'm going to the Nebraska-Purdue game in, in tomorrow, and uh, it's going to snow. No. <laughs> hey, good luck to you. <laughs> I don't own a winter jacket. I have several. Can I borrow one? Absolutely, you can borrow one. I've got some really bad. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got I'm, some bad overcoats. I'm going to layer up. Yeah. I, 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 When's I the last time you were in a cold weather climate, Laura Lee? Well, I go skiing every year out in uh, Colorado. You probably do spring skiing, I'm guessing. No, no. I, you do, I, I you like, do like the January? Yes, we're usually there January, February. Depends on the uh, national championship. Uh, as to when we go, but we have a family home in Colorado, so I'm a big snow skier. Where is it? Aspen. I love Aspen. We need an address. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, we need an invite. Yeah. Do you have have a jacuzzi? Well, you know, um, I cannot give out the details, but all I can say is that you know people, so, you know. Yes, yeah. It's good to have friends, right? Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's the yeah. When I have uh, when I had my uh, lake house up at Smith, the greatest thing in the world was I didn't own a boat, but I had friends who had yeah. boats. Right. Well, you know what they say about boats: the two yeah. best days of your life are the day you purchase it and the day you sell them. Um, <laughs> I think and, the uh, day you sell it is probably better. Yeah. Um, they are. Have you ever owned a boat? Sorts of uh, maintenance. No, I have not. Laura Lee, have you owned But a boat? I had friends like Laura Lee. Yeah. Friends. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up skiing on Lake Tuscaloosa. So, yes, we had uh, boats growing up, ski boats. Did you ever barefoot? No. 
I tried it once. I could do just about anything else, but I did not barefoot. Never quite figured that out. <laughs> um, and now the stuff they do with all these boogie boards, these flip boards, it's, uh, it's crazy. When we uh, were setting up here, I came in, sat down, saw Laura Lee looking at the lucky lunch board. She comes over here and sits, sits down, and you don't remember what the first thing you said was? What? I love all these Tennessee fans having to gripe. And then you and Audio Bob got into it for the, you know, talking about the same thing about the officiating. Um, was it, was Tennessee cheated? No. Listen, um, I, they can complain about the officiating, but it was nowhere near as bad as it was last year. But, Listen, we we scored twenty seven points unanswered. Mm-hmm. Score points. I mean, I I I love my family and my Tennessee friends and everything, but it was more than just officiating. Last year, the officiating, the game was so close. What two points that it mattered? Fifty two forty nine was that it? Fifty two or yeah. fifty. 149, so the officiating really mattered, and it wasn't, uh, I mean, there were several non-calls, but on both sides. Yeah, and I'd I'd rather have a no-call than a bad call, if that makes sense to you. Sometimes no-calls are bad calls, but I think you understand what I mean. I mean, if in doubt, don't pull it out. Oops. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I think that makes pretty good Wait. sense. Doesn't it? <laughs> what, 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 We're going to uh, let that the go flag. on. You know, oh, the flag. Oh, the flag. Okay. Come on. You guys knew what I meant. Golly. Where are your minds today? <laughs> You're outdoors in a classroom. But now, uh, I just, uh, I think <laughs> that you so probably are. There's so many things are. I can say right now. I think there probably <laughs> are, you know. You, you might get a call or two at home. Uh, well, I don't think it's intentional. You know, this conspiracy theory that I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, they did this because they don't like Alabama. They did this because Nick Saban was – I don't – I'm not one of those people. I think the officials, particularly in the SEC, it's an incredibly difficult job. I think they do as good a job as possible in all of college football. And I get a little irritated when people go, oh, they cheated because they wanted Tennessee to win. Do y'all buy that? Uh, no, uh, I don't. But uh, there has been this long-standing, right, uh, conspiracy theory that uh, the SEC wants Alabama to win because Alabama generates numbers, right? Big, big TV numbers uh, get a lot of eyeballs. I mean, that's what you hear from other fan bases yeah, it's all not the time. Because of the officiating, it's because Alabama's kicking everybody's butts. But what? what uh, you know, what plays in particular was Josh Heupel upset about? He was upset about the fair catch deal. And then there was a kind of a touch foul that was called on Tennessee where they um, called out, they called ten, Tennessee for a holding on a receiver. And they replayed it, and I went, they shouldn't call that. So I think it goes both ways, Larley. Do you are you one of these people that thinks an official's thinking, all right, there's 12 seconds left, they're down to, oops, I got to give them 15 yards so they can kick the field goal. Do you think they're working that in their heads? No, because I think there's too much oversight. Uh, I do believe and know that they make bad calls and sometimes non-calls. When you looked at 
what happened to Roy Dell Williams and the guy, the official was standing right there and did not throw a flag. Now, I know it was not intentional and the Tennessee player was trying to punch out the ball, but that's not what happened. And so, you know, another non-call. Did it affect the outcome of the game? Mm, not really. How about that, last year? Did a call affect the outcome of the absolutely, game? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> yeah, Alabama got hosed. Yes, they did. And that's the thing that I don't like to see if it's going to affect the outcome of the game. And, yes, I think officials do the best they can, but sometimes their best needs to be better. Yeah, um you know, the officiating in the NFL has been really bad this year. Uh, and I think throughout college football, it hasn't been great. And I don't know what the remedy is. Slow the game down. Yeah. I mean, that's just, come on. These these guys are 6'5", 320, and they run less than 5'40". Would, would you be an advocate of using replay on, say, pass interference? Or other oh, calls, and like say you give a coach uh, three more uh, challenges just on penalties, on plays that are penalties as opposed to turnovers. Or, and the, but the ball thing is, and, and, but it, you know, it, everything is being filtered through the SEC office in Birmingham, right? right? And so, couldn't they make a determination really fast so you don't necessarily slow the pace of the game down? that much well first of all have they ever made a call really fast no why do you expect them to do it yeah. now well, they're trying to get it right um yeah and and i'm all about getting it right but geez the games are three and a half hours now you know three and a half hours long so hey we've got a call and then we're going to go to break chris has uh, joined us this is big noon sports what are you doing chris how are you Hey, thank y'all for taking my call. Um, Absolutely. I, I had a few comments about officiating too that, that I've had for a while, and I think there needs to be more transparency among the officiating and the determination of some of these key plays and critical moments of games. I mean, if you look at the players, they're held accountable by drug testing and academic standards. The coaches are held accountable by, you know, rec- um, you know, um, guidelines by NCAA as far as recruiting and compliance. But everything with officiating is internal. Nothing is ever disclosed to the public, you know, to my knowledge. And I think it would just be, uh, it, it would help the game and help the understanding and eliminate this conspiracy theory um, amongst these plays and, and, you know, allow these coaches to be a little more vocal. I understand why they don't do it. They're trying to protect the integrity of the, you know, the crew and, and, and outside, you know, voices. But... If you've ever seen, like ESPN will do, you know, at the end of the season, I think they call it like their command post. They have a bunch of different people, you know, uh, commentating on a game, usually bowl games. And sometimes they'll have an official up there, and he's there the whole game answering questions as it goes on. Yeah. Or even this new, the XFL has adopted it where the rest are mic'd up. And I love that it gives you an understanding of who's making a call, how they made that judgment. And, and I think it just adds a great complexity to the game. And we don't get that. A, a crew can make horrible calls, and the most we get is, well, they got suspended, or they're not going to do this team anymore, or, you know, we did make, miss a call. So that's really it. And I don't, I don't think that's enough. I think there needs to be more 
Um, it is slowing. You think they ought to have, Chris? You think they ought to have like a little mini news conference where the ref, the white hat, comes out there and sits down and takes questions? I think I don't know if it needs to be the crew that was at the game that could get kind of touchy. But I think you need to have a representative that yes comes out and says, "Hey, these are calls we missed." You know, just like you grade a player, an offensive lineman. You know, these guys get graded too. But again, it's all internal. We never hear about that or see. You know, uh, those documents or those scorecards. I think if you had a representative, you know, it could even be a few days later. Say, hey. We reviewed it. Yeah, we messed up, but we're doing better, and this is how we're going to make it better. And, and just hold them accountable because right now it just seems very, you know, very sketchy because everybody else is having a abide by compliance across the board. Officials just kind of make up their own, you know, thing internally, and we never hear about it. And it slows the game down incredibly. You'll have a good drive going, and they'll take four minutes to decide does the ball need to be on the 24-yard line or the 23-and-a-half-yard line. I feel like we could nip that in the bud with the technology we have and resources, but it seems like we haven't got much better since the early 2000s in that regard. So just my opinion. I appreciate your opinion. Thanks for calling us, and uh, other folks can as well, 205-342-9904. We are coming to you on our Friday place to be. That's Innisfree. We're kind of at the top of the strip as you just get into downtown Tuscaloosa. You can come by and see us, get a meet and three, the lucky lunch. Of course, they've got your beers, libations, and burgers, and wings, and fries, all that other good food that you really, really love. Come see us at Innisfree. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bama Broker.com. That's Laura Lee at the Bama Broker.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703. 2703- 36th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 82. For tonight, fair with the low at 62. And for the weekend, the unseasonably warm weather continues. Partially sunny tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. For free fans just walked in the door. It is the Friday before an off week, so I can just say this. It's a little slower. I mean, who wouldn't expect it to be? But that just means it can get to you quicker and get you cold beer and get you one of these meat and threes. Um, I'm going to order here in a minute. Uh, I got a little other fried catfish. No, I don't. But like you're not catfish. a catfish person, uh-huh. I don't either. Son, well, I'm asking exactly the wrong people. I will say, I'll tell you this, and then we're going to get back to content. Last week, I ordered, and I hadn't had it in ten years, maybe. I ordered the shepherd's pie. Now, some people say you either love it or don't. I love shepherd's pie. Let me pie. tell you. Lars and I had an incident, <laughs> which we might get into. I don't know. It's, we had car troubles. But anyway, I got home and it was still hot in the little container they put it in. Are you a shepherd's pie person? You're probably not. I don't know. Mm, not as much. I'll eat this, it. My husband, I told you my husband liked yeah, it. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if I've ever, ever had any better. I may order that again. But my then dad the makes three looks it. Good. He when makes I, it? Does well, he put yeah. peas in it? Yes. No. Yeah. I like it I'm because not a big it has, I fan. love peas, but uh, when my dad makes it, I eat it. Otherwise, I don't eat it. Okay. Um, so I got a little story to tell. little personal story. We have time and you All have right. the airwaves. So on Wednesday night, uh, my eight-year-old son, Lincoln, had a flag football game uh, out in Liberty Park. And uh, it's at like uh, 6.30 at night. And uh, I was talking to the ref during halftime, just getting his opinion on, uh, and he's familiar with our show and he's with my work, and and uh, we're having a nice chat. And uh, and then I just decided, you know, I'm going to stay, like, uh, just right behind the bench. All the fans are on the other side, the, the moms and the dads and brothers and sisters that are on the other side, uh, sitting in bleachers and and I'm kind of an assistant coach, but not technically. You know, I, I go to every practice and I help out. I just, whatever the head coach wants me to do, I'll do it, right? Uh, anything at all. And uh, so I'm in just, uh, I'm just sitting there with my son. And he had, uh, he, he was struggling a little bit. This is the first time all season he was struggling a little bit. And he was upset. And, and I was sort of just consoling him, talking to him, telling him, Hey, uh, forget about what has happened in the past. All you need to focus on is what is upcoming, and it, it doesn't matter. Don't let past performance affect future performance. Who's okay. that, who's that sound like? That sounds like Coach Lars Saban. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you. I tell him. It's like it goes from Saban right through me to my son. Okay. And, um, and so I'm telling him this, and then the opposing coach tells the referee... Lars Anderson is not a coach, therefore he cannot be on the bench. And the ref said, are, are you serious? He said, yes, and made me go on the other side of the field. 
And so I, I, I talked to the coach after the game. I said, hey, you know, I did a really good job. I really uh, think you have an innovative way uh, of playing. And he was like, yeah. And I said, have you ever listened to our show? He said, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I said, tune in on Friday, MF. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> You jumped right into the Reagan pile. Oh, <laughs> um, did you? Uh, oh, yeah, man. yeah. And uh, so hopefully he's listening. Well, uh, should, should I, are we naming names? No, okay. I wouldn't do that. Nah, I would not unless you want to get all of us sued. <laughs> anyway, That's just liable. what a slam. Why, why do that? What is the point of doing that? Uh, They're eight years old. Probably because you can't satisfy. Whoops, I'm not going down that. Um, anyway, we got a little out of kilter, which, by the way, I love that word too. Yeah, I want to get back to something you mentioned, and Laura Lee, I know you keep up with this stuff, but you mentioned flag football. They're gonna have flag football in the Olympics. Do y'all like that? <laughs> I love flag football. I love but watching my eight-year-old play flag football. <laughs> if you owned the, um, let's say, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, would you let Joe Burrow go overseas? No, absolutely not. I remember they did what, in the NBA. Remember what happened to Robert Edwards? I do. Running back for um, he played but that was he on played, the beach in Maui. Georgia and yeah. playing a Pro Bowl uh, touch football game on the beach and tears up his knee and he's never the same player. So, yeah, absolutely not. You would not let your players go. No, no. How'd the Dream Team get away with? Probably, because they could uh, demand any dang uh, thing they uh, wanted. Big time Lloyds of London insurance policies. <laughs> um, well, what if the NFL did that? You still not letting Burrow play? No. Do you like this idea? No. You you kind of smirked when I said flag I like football. The, I like the, no, I like the idea, but I don't think you, you should be ineligible if you're a professional player. That's the way it used to be for all sports. Yeah, it is not that way anymore. Hockey does it. Yeah, golf does it. Why you just don't want to lose Burrow? Can I use another quarterback? Can <laughs> I use another quarterback? Of course, you you don't care. Yeah. If, um, you don't care if the use Mahomes. Sure. <laughs> well, you want him? I, I see you. I actually like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's 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 an incredible, fun, talented guy to watch. Um, Laura Lee, just you're just against the whole idea. Well, you don't I like mean, flag football. Maybe these arena football players and the spring football players, maybe they can go. Um, I I don't know. I'd, I what about would, XFL players? Yeah. Why not? But if the whole object of the Olympics is to put your best athletes out there and beat all the other countries, why wouldn't you do it with football? It's a contact sport. Not flag. You're just pulling the flags off. Uh, Flag football is a contact sport. They're going to get competitive. (laughs) Don't even compare it to football, please. Okay? (laughs) I I mean, there's no contact like that. Um, Squeeze that mustard bottle, Laura Lee. Why not? No. We're doing everything else today. No. Um, I I think they ought to they ought to be allowed if they want to play, let them play. If I can chime but, in, uh, don't you think, Matt, that this is kind of what's happening to the Olympics? They're almost becoming irrelevant in the sense that it's like you just said, it's not the best athletes. If we're talking about flag football 
and not sending the best football players to go play. And, and we know wrestling and boxing in the Olympics has been like that for years. Uh, maybe the Olympics are on the way out? Is that crazy to say? I don't think they're nearly as popular as they were when I was a kid. And I, th- I think that uh, you lost a little when you dropped the amateur rule. Because uh, you remember how good the college... No, of course y'all don't. Remember how good the college teams were that went and played in the Olympics? 72 yeah, got ripped off by the officials. Miracle and Ice, man. Yeah. That, that won't ever happen again. By the way, did you like that movie? I'm just... I, l- I loved every... Uh, Everything that's ever been done about the 1980 yeah. uh, men's Olympic hockey, hockey team, uh, the, the uh, uh, Kirk uh, Russell movie. Yeah, he did right? a great job. He did a great job. Uh, the, the documentary on Showtime or on, on HBO, I believe. Um, I just I can't get enough of that. And uh, I, I so vividly remember I was in the back of my mom's 1974 uh, Oldsmobile station wagon when they broke into programming wow. and said that the United States just beat the Russians three to two or yeah. four to three or whatever it was. And uh, because the game wasn't broadcast live in the United States. Remember that? Uh, no. As it was, a matter it was of tape fact, delay. Uh, right. But I'll tell you where I was. This is interesting, especially given current events. I was about six blocks from here on 15th Street at our new affiliate. WTBC 1230. And you know how the Associated Press and UPI machines, the big carriage shifting back and forth. They had a bell system too. Like one bell, if it's kind of a minor emergency, it was a 10 bell alarm. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my wow. gosh, there's a nuclear something going on here. Nope. Ding, ding, ding. USA, was it 4 3? 4 2? 4 3. 4 3? Yeah. Uh, I went crazy. I broke into the middle of a record. A record. My, my favorite you know image. My my favorite image of uh, the uh, that entire game is the Russians standing on their side of the ice with their hands uh, on their sticks and then their head on their hands, just admiring the Americans as they celebrated. Really, they it's truly it. admiring them. They, they get it. But, and we're, they were playing pros. Yeah. Oh, and they, yeah. they had just, uh, the Russians had just beat the Americans at Madison Square Garden right oh. before the Olympics, like, you know. Nine to one? Nine to yeah, one, yeah. It was, it was really Do bad. you remember where you were when you got the news that the United States had beaten the Russians? College. Back in 1980? College. No. Colorado? No, no, Team. I wasn't in college. That was, uh, no. I can't 80. remember where I was. That you was 80. Were. I was young. Yes, you were young. But before we go, we do have an Alabama gymnast that is going to the Olympics. So she's going to be on uh, the team for Columbia, Luisa Blanco. She's great. She is fantastic. I remember her last year just pulling off some uh, the comeback gymnastics meetup. I think it's the best one I've ever seen. Anyway, hey, we need to take a break. We're in this free Irish pub. Got the lucky lunch menu going on. And we have Mick Gillespie coming up on Big Noon Sports.
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Our first guest hangs around Tuscaloosa a lot when he's not in Fairhope or in the Rocky Mountains. Smoky Mountains, not the Rocky. Anyway, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Mick Gillespie is our guest I got a thousand questions for you, but most of them really don't involve college football. But that's okay. We're off. Um, Mick, give me your view from 500 feet on how these two teams made it to the World Series. Yeah, what do you say, guys? I'll tell you, <laughs> it's not the World Series that I thought we would have. And two very different paths. Um, super impressed with Bruce Bochy and what he uh, was you know, able to do when he was with San Francisco and, you know, have kind of a dynasty there and win three World Series. And then, uh, you know, he retired, and I say that quote-unquote, you know, and then all of a sudden he's back and, and he took this this uh, Rangers team to the World Series. And, and baseball, having the right guy calling the plays, you know, I mean, I guess really just like a, you know, uh, setting the tone for the team and all that stuff means so much. And he's definitely done a fantastic job of that. And they, watching Adolis Garcia, you know, basically just take over the series uh, like he did. I've never seen anything like that before. So they get in, and they were a pretty solid team all year. And then the Diamondbacks always had good pitching. Zach Allen, uh, the, the, you know, two other guys that are in their starting rotation, including Platt, who was unbelievable down the stretch, but he's kind of been a guy trying to figure it all out this year with good stuff. I just expected the Phillies to be there. Um, I think it's not an issue, though. You, you can't have playoffs that benefit the wildcard teams, not the teams that won 100 games, but these are the two teams that survived, and and uh, we got the most interesting World Series that we've had in a long time, me. Mick, uh I know it's been a few days since uh, Alabama came back in the second half and beat Tennessee, but what were your big takeaways from the game last Saturday? Well, I loved it. I, I loved it. I loved the second half of the football game. Uh, I enjoyed uh, watching the, the defense really tighten up on Tennessee. 
Uh, Alabama played mistake-free football. They seemed really focused. They bounced back from a first half that I didn't think they played that poorly, but Tennessee just played really good and then absolutely matched Tennessee and and played their best half of football so far this year. And, I mean, they kind of leave us wondering, when are we going to see them play four quarters of football like this? And hopefully we don't see them play four quarters of bad football. One of uh, one of the guys on my on my post game show said that they have more personalities than his ex wife. I've been laughing about that all week because that this team is it really is hard to figure out what we're what we're going to get from quarter to quarter. But um, the second half of that football game, the crowd was great. It's just everything you, you love about college football. And so um, I feel like it's a really big step forward for Alabama as they get ready to play LSU next week. I love it. Yeah, I think we needed uh, our defense to step up and play the way that they did, considering we have LSU next week and we'll need them, especially with Terry on Arnold being out in the second half and they didn't miss a step. I thought it was... Fantastic. The so, Adams kid filled in. Didn't, he filled in great, didn't he? That's his name? Trey Amos, Adam? Amos. Amos. Trey Amos. I thought he did a great job. Good point. He did do a great job. And Saban even complimented him. Mick, that doesn't happen very often. Do you have a question for Mick? Ask him anything. Anything you want. Anything? Anything. That's arable. Okay. Do you think anyone... On the East Coast is going to watch the World Series? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, the, ratings, the, the, the ratings on this one might be pretty low. Um, <laughs> you know, I was surprised. I, one of the guys who interned for me is a student at Arizona State. And um, he he told me that tickets are like 700 bucks. They were $11 to get into some of those games against the Phillies. So <laughs> I guess the... The, the locals have all of a sudden decided that they're pretty excited about their team. But, you know, going out to Arizona, normally it's, you know, whoever they're playing, the fans show up and, you know, they don't really have a strong fan base. Um, and, the, and the Rangers, honestly, I've been super impressed with where Texas baseball is as a whole. I mean, think that you had an Astros and, and Rangers World Series or uh, Championship Series to go to the World Series. The Astros... Uh, at, were the defending champs. They've been in it a lot. Um, and then, you know, there, as baseball looks to expand, San Antonio and Austin both won a team. And so they've got two of the nicest stadiums in the league. The Rangers fans have showed up. And in their area, you know, in Texas, they've been uh, really excited about baseball. But, you know, as far as, like, around here and, up the East Coast, uh, it's probably football season, NFL football. Mick, through the first uh, eight weeks of the season for Alabama, who is your offensive MVP? Who is your defensive MVP? Oh, good question. Well, on offense, you know, as rocky as it's been, and I got to give it to Milrow. I mean, he's, you know, even missing a game and the slow start and everything else, he's come on strong. His quarterback rating, over the last three games, has, it's like 176 or something. I mean, it's just right up in there. He's, uh, I think he's played through injuries. He's obviously still learning. Some of the sacks are his fault. Some of the offense line's fault. But 
he's starting to get confident, and he's figuring it out. And I think that you have to have a quarterback in today's game to win. So I give it to him. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you on defense. Chris Braswell's my guy. Tough. Yeah. Uh, he got the interception for a touchdown, forced the fumble for a touchdown. Those are two big game-changing plays, by the way. Uh, my guy Ryan Anderson, who uh, jumps on our Elephant in the Room podcast, pointed him out to me weeks ago, and then I'm uh, paying attention to him, and I'm like, man, he, that guy's he's a force. But there's a lot of guys on defense that you can, you can throw that to. You know, Malachi Moore has been great. Um, you know, Kool-Aid and take the punt returns out and I mean, no one wants to throw on him. Uh, you know, obviously Dallas Turner, who's, you know, been a sack machine, but he's also forcing the quarterbacks out of the pocket. Um, you know, constant curry machine. So there's a lot of guys on defense. You know, collectively, I think the most improved area of Alabama's football team has been the defensive line. And particularly in the second half against Tennessee. Wasn't Tennessee going in, Mick, the number one rushing team in the conference? Yeah, and Alabama ran on them. Uh, I I was surprised by that, you know, the the lack of running that Alabama did against Texas A&M. And then watching Tennessee run all over the Aggies, I thought, well, Alabama's probably going to give up some run yards. Sorry, guys. Uh, And... uh, and all they did was run the ball, you know, and, and run it effectively. Chase McClellan had his best game as the starting running back. I agree. Well, and going back to Chris Braswell, who knocked the ball out for the final touchdown. Campbell the, scoop and score. Oh, yeah. And Campbell, I, I've watched that game back. That guy is great. Our linebackers, man, they're all so good and and you're talking about Lawson's backup you know because when Deontay went down he had to step in and did he ever he did by the way Lawson kid ain't bad no oh no but you know that it right there shows you what NIL has done where we don't have depth in other areas that if the kids don't get to play, they pick up their toys and go somewhere else. Yeah, it's a little more than out of control. Do you think that has contributed to Alabama's uh, lack of, I guess, consistency, um, particularly on offense? Uh, has the portal and NIL changed that for Alabama? And I think the biggest, the biggest change in my mind that's probably contributed to this is the fact that they have so many new coaches. I'm, Mick, jump in right here. I, I don't know. I mean, like, to me, the, the biggest problem Alabama's had has been discipline uh, on the football field. Penalties and, uh, you know, some of those pre-snaps, some of those personal fouls. You know, the offensive line blocking, you know, is that, is that to me, is more discipline, you know, and, 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 and figuring out where you're supposed to be and being there. Uh, to me, you know, they're getting better. Um so maybe there's a guy or two that left. I mean, we know the one guy left last year because he wanted his girlfriend to get to law school, and then he wanted a boatload of money. Saban told him to hit the bricks uh, from what we're on. We have, we're being told anyway. And so, yeah, maybe a spot here or a spot there. But I think it's more the fear of coaching these guys because they could leave. You know, like you're dealing with middlemen. 
uh, which I know Saban doesn't like. You guys heard Crystal say that. And um, maybe it's more just the pressure of, you know, before you could say, hey, you know, you do this or get out of here. You know, now, I mean, you know, you're just, you got to, you got to placate to, uh, you know, to the, the player a little bit more as far as, you know, wanting them to stick around. But I, I feel like it's just been more disciplined to me. And, and as they've become more disciplined, they've become a better football team. Is, um, are they afraid about what, what's the deal with, um, Burton? Um, he doesn't seem to be able to control himself. And we're, we're 75% of the way through the season. What's up with him? Yeah, I think that frustrates a lot of us because he's such a good player. I mean, he, he's a difference maker in some games. And look at how he played against Texas A&M. But of course he had to have his personal foul penalty. And then you guys remember the, we're trying to knee the ball down to win the game. And he's over there, you know, chirping. And it's like, look, man, I mean, you, you got to be a team player here. You want to go to the NFL? They're not going to tolerate that. I, I don't know. Those, those are problems that Shula had that Saban really hasn't had. So, you know, I'm trying to think of the last guy who, you know, was was just constantly putting the team in jeopardy with the personal foul penalties like this. And it's hard for me to go that far back and really find somebody. Alabama's been disciplined under Saban. The guys seem to, you know, understand the Alabama way. Like, hey, you know, Burton scored a touchdown. You don't need to punch the goalpost. You don't need to point at the opposing fans. Just give the ref the football and run off the field. That's the way we do it at Alabama. You might not do it that way at Georgia, but that's how we do it here. We've been doing it that way for a long time, you know. So I don't know why the message hasn't gotten to us. But it's annoying. Because he is so good, you got to have him to win. But I hope that's not an indicator of of what's to come for Alabama. I, I just remember DJ Hall and Keith, um, the guy's name, uh, Keith Brown, running to the opposing team student sections and all that stuff. And those teams were like seven and six, you know. You're right. That is not the Alabama way, and it's a little troubling to see that it continues, but. The winds continue as well. Mick, can you hang with us another break here? Sure. I am going to lay one of the greatest baseball trivia questions on you that I've ever heard. Just outstanding. Don't answer it on the air, though. We'll be right back. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire 
entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 82. For tonight, fair with a low at 62. And for the weekend, the unseasonably warm weather continues. Partially sunny tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And it's Friday. And even without Alabama playing tomorrow, we are still at Innisfree. Drop by, grab an afternoon beer with us, uh, try out their... They're fantastic meat and free. Yes, meat and free for only nine ninety nine. I don't know where you can get a deal better than that. And their uh, meat and sides are just fantastic. So come by and see us. It's a place that uh, very briefly he made a small, like a drive-by appearance. Mick Gillespie was here last week. Did you know? Did y'all notice that? You don't know Mick. Did you notice he walked right up here, tipped his hat, and walked off? Well, he came up here at the exact same time that Tom, Tom Roberts. Roberts yeah. And so I, I hadn't seen Tr in uh, a decade, and so uh, he got my attention. I didn't realize that we that. Uh, Hello, Mick, that you're, Mick, you were here, and uh, why don't you come up on stage? Come say hi. Yeah. I, I didn't even don't see Tom don't Roberts. mouth anything. Just talk to us. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I, I didn't don't see care. Tom. We don't care. I, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. We, we got a couple of nice yeah, ladies in here that are uh, lip syncing their requests. <laughs> um, go ahead, Mick. No, I was going to say I didn't even see Tom Roberts uh, there. I was said hi to him. I used to work with him. At Crimson Tide this is Tom Roberts, Roberts, the NASCAR guy, not yeah. Tom Roberts. Yeah, there's, 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 uh, there's two uh, Tom sports, Roberts. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, TR that uh, I'm referring to, he was uh, Rusty Wallace's PR person forever. And then, oh, okay. And then I know Rusty. PR person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just a, a, one of the great... Uh, one of the great PR people in NASCAR history, as far as I'm concerned. But okay. yes, uh, yeah, I wish we could. I wish we could have had a chance to talk to you. Well, look, Cheryl. Cheryl Yingling was waiting on me with some cold beers. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I, you know, good reason. When, yeah. So we we we. I, and I was late anyway, but I thought I I looked in and I saw you guys and I was like, I got to go from wave. And if it would have been in, in between a break, I would have um, definitely stuck around, but. It was kind of like, you know, like I was about 20 minutes late anyway. And I thought, man, I probably need to get down there. But it looked like you guys were having a good time. Yeah, oh, yeah well, this we always is, have a good you, time. You've come in here. You've, you've partied a little bit here, as we all have. Uh, in is free. Look, it's the place to be. Um, and it's oh, yeah. the oldest active bar in Birmingham, con- you know, consistently. 25 yeah. years. 
and I don't know if either you'll remember the name, but I don't think you ever went there. I was reading an article online just a little while ago. Today is the 20th anniversary of the closing of the Chucker. I went, oh, I went to the Chucker. <laughs> you did? I went to the Chucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Chucker it was, was multicolored. Yeah. Yeah. It was when I was, too, so that tells you how long it's been around. I never yeah. went to the Chucker. I think when I was in school, maybe the law students went there. Yeah. And professors. So You could go in there and find your law professor or sometimes your communications or sometimes Lars Anderson. Okay. <laughs> the Chucker. You, you would have been a great Chucker guy. So does that mean Harry's Bar is closed? Yeah, didn't Harry's close here recently? Well, I know Harry uh, passed, Harry passed Harry's away. Is, Harry's is still very much open. Fair, okay. Harry's is open. So, Harry, though, has passed. I was friends you know, with Harry. I just really, uh, I really just thought of this. We're at a bar talking about others, so perhaps we ought to move on. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, no. Hey, Nick, uh, understand is, they've got very, very good competition. Kind of out of the blue question, but have you ever uh, been to the Magic City Classic and uh, just been a part of that whole scene? No, I haven't, but because I'm normally working. But I do love it. I, I love uh, everything about it. It's very cool. Uh, that that whole I love the step shows and everything else. That's that's to me. I mean, kind of what college football really was kind of meant to be. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and, and Matt, you you've seen the Battle of the Bands, right? Oh, I've seen it all. I've, I've worked those games. Okay. So just describe to our listeners who haven't uh, experienced that what it's like at halftime. Well, first of all, there are more people in the stands at halftime than they are during the game. And when they play, they play. But what's just incredible is how in sync they are with their. Uh, choreography the way you know that they're dancing they're bouncing they're always on their toes but they're playing and not missing a note and then alabama state has i think what they call the bumblebees and i'll word this carefully but they're out there and they know it obviously but they're a little rounder and they are so skilled and so coordinated you know you know what a three-man role is i did not do you know what a three-man role is mick no, uh-uh. It's when you have three players in pads and they alternate, flipping and oh, rolling yeah. over each I know other, that back drill. and forth and yeah. back and forth and back and forth. But the, I think it's the honeybees. They do that. Um, and it's it's just a fabulous atmosphere. I think it was uh, Mick that just said it's what college football's about. Did you say that? Uh, it, Mick it really it, is. Yeah, yeah so, totally. You know what's uh, also a great atmosphere is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which I've never been. Mick, have you? And uh, give us your thoughts on that game tomorrow. I think we lost the mixture. Yeah, I, I was just uh, going to talk to him Can about I, that, too. Yep, go ahead, yeah, Mick. Look, yeah, we just lost yeah, you for sorry. a second. Yeah, uh, Georgia, Florida, uh, tomorrow, your thoughts. Yeah, well, I've been to a lot of cocktail parties, but just not that one. Um, <laughs> I like a good outtail cocktail party, uh, outside cocktail party, too. Uh, but th- I, I'm really I- interested in this game for one reason. I mean, the line's like 14 and a half. And I'm, wonder- I'm wondering what Georgia's going to be able to do without Brock Bowers um, Florida, they're, you know, they have problems, but we're going to find out. I mean, Georgia barely got by Auburn. This is, this is definitely a game where we're going to see if Georgia's deep offense is the 
proof. I mean, you know their defense is going to play, but their offense is proof. And when Vegas puts the line up there, then that probably tells us, yeah. But I think it'll be close to three quarters. Yeah. Uh, what, what about BYU at Texas? Texas favored by 19. Uh, I think, you know, the worst case uh, scenario for Alabama is uh, that final playoff spot comes down to an Alabama team that, uh, up, that upsets Georgia in the SEC championship game and Texas winning the Big 12. And obviously Texas would get the nod. You think BYU has a shot here on on Saturday, a two thirty central kick in uh, in Austin, Texas? Well, I don't know. I mean, Quinn Ewers is going to be out for a while, and uh, you know, when, who's it going to be to to move the ball? I mean, they they you know they nil'd Arch Manning there for a lot of money. We talked about when it was going on, but he's not going to be the guy. Um, I, we'll see what their offense looks like. And what kind of adjustments? I think that really hurts Texas long term. They may win this football game against BYU, who's not going to be able to uh, match up on the line of scrimmage against Texas. But I think long term that uh, te- Texas will probably lose another game, maybe two, before it's all said and done because uh, because they're, they don't have yours, who's honestly one of the best quarterbacks in football, and the reason they beat Alabama. Yeah. Uh... Unfortunately, he is a little injury prone. I think the game of the weekend is uh, number eight Oregon at number thirteen Utah. Oregon is a uh, six and a half point favorite. Uh, this has the feel of a uh, national championship elimination game. Your thoughts? Well, you know, Utah has physically beaten these guys up twice a couple years ago. Uh, because they played in the championship game. And Oregon just always seems to be the favorite. Like, we're looking at them going, okay, well, this is the year. This is the year. Um, you know what Utah's issues are, uh, you know, at quarterback and injuries and everything else, but they play good football, and it really hasn't slowed them down. Didn't slow them down against Florida. They beat USC coming from behind. They can score points. I think that their defense is going to make enough plays to cover the spread. I think it'll be a close game, and I would not be surprised if you if Utah won straight up. I tend to agree with you. They've won back-to-back Pac-12 titles, and I always thought that the Utes would be a great fit, not geographically, in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah. And, uh, hey, hey, Mick, we do... Uh... We, we pick games on Thursdays and Fridays, and uh, my record right now against the spread, 24 and 8. 75%, wow. baby. I know. Matt is, you know Matt, Matt's at 16 and 16. Yeah. You know why he's having such success? Because he doesn't bet on those games. I don't. And the games I yeah. bet on, I'm, Other ones I'm, down, I'm down. I'm down. Street going, baby. Down a couple G's. Right. I got to go real world. All right. <laughs> Here's one of the best baseball trivia questions I've heard here recently. And it's pretty detailed. It's This is only for the strong of heart, okay? All right. Excluding pitchers and switch hitters, who is the only Hall of Fame player to bat only right and throw left? Only Hall of Famer. That's not. Mm-hmm. You think of it, don't, right. don't answer on air. You need to text okay. text me the answer. And then okay. if anybody wants okay. to call, I I spent 
probably an hour and a half anguishing over this, and I finally had to text my buddy back, and I said, I give. Uh, great answer, too, and you'll figure it out in a hurry. Hey, thanks, Mick. We'll see you soon, all right? Hey, good talking to you guys. Roll Tide. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. Thanks, buddy. LSU. Uh, and we'll be back, and I'll take a call or two if you want to take a stab at that trivia question. Lars will let you drive his, his new car. <laughs> I'm very much kidding. You'll get a big pat on the back. You're listening to Big Noon Sports coming to you from Innisfree Irish Pub. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. NFL injury updates on this Friday. Giants coach Brian Dayball said quarterback Daniel Jones will be out for a third straight week, still dealing with that neck injury, so it'll be Terod Taylor at the controls again. 49ers GM John Lynch told KNBR this morning that Brock Purdy remains in concussion protocol. Jets coach Robert Sala said corner Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed have both cleared concussion protocol and are good to go. With Kyler Murray off the injury report, Cardinals coach Jonathan Gannon was asked if he would be active on Sunday. Gannon's response, we'll see. Jaguars coach Doug Peterson said receiver Zay Jones is out for their game against the Steelers with a knee injury. And the NFL has placed Chiefs receiver Justin Ross on the commissioner's exempt list following his arrest on Monday. That means he cannot practice or attend games. Ross faces misdemeanor charges of domestic battery and property damage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
We are already. We're out of locker room halftime. And it is Friday, so we are the place to be. That's Innisfree Irish Pub. It's Matt, Laura Lee, Lars. And let's welcome to the microphone end of the table a former Lars Anderson student, Dallas Spratt. She is from... Dahlonega? Yes. Dahlonega, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta, I guess up in the lakes area? Yes, up in the lakes in the base of the Appalachian Mountains. Is this guy worth a toot as a teacher? Yes, I really enjoyed my time with him. He really actually brought back my passion for news and sports writing, so I'm very grateful for him and his class. So where are you in your curriculum as far as your year and how much, how many hours you have left? So right now I'm a junior and I am 80% done with my degree. So I could technically graduate next December if I want to, but I think I want to, you know, stay the full four years and get extra electives to help prepare me for my future career. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did she just say she wants to stay her four full years? Come Come on, Dallas. You got to stretch out to five or six. Get, get into your dad's wallet a little bit. Get into oh, that's what you. I'm just kidding. I just I don't know that I've heard anybody here recently have the chance opportunity to graduate in less than four. I was able to um, actually do dual enrollment. So while I was in high school, I was also taking college classes. So when I came in as a freshman, I had 17 credit hours already. So it kind of set me up to be on pace to graduate early if I wanted to. But I really enjoy my time here, and I want to make sure that I, you know, um, just live it to the fullest. So what's the goal moving forward after you graduate? So after I graduate, I want to either study or intern either with my major, sports broadcasting, or my minor, um, sports marketing or hospitality. So obviously the overarching goal would be um, to be someone like Aaron Andrews as an on-field broadcaster. But I'm passionate about um, sports in all realms, really, social media, um, fan engagement, community engagement, um, news writing, anything like that, really just being able to work in sports what i love is what i hope to do wow that's uh, a tall Lars, order we are, uh, we are being bookended by some really good talent yes <laughs> yes absolutely now dallas is uh, one of my all-time favorites and uh uh just uh has a, a gift with words uh, both on the written page and obviously uh, coming out of uh, the mouth as well. So uh, very articulate and going to go very far. Very proud of Dallas. Um, so tell me, uh, you know what, Laura Lee, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Any? So, okay. It sounds like maybe you know a little bit about sports, a little bit about football. Do you get the same reactions that I do when I talk with guys and I they? She is giggling. <laughs> they have, they're, they're like astounded that I know more than they do. I definitely think when, you know, when you first are in a group of them and you start talking sports, people kind of look at you a little bit because they don't expect it. But um, I've at least had a positive encounter where people are willing to engage in that conversation with me and, you know, kind of tease me and make fun of it. And we're able to have a good competitive conversation about sports. So. Did it help growing up in Georgia? Because uh, are, you, are you from a bulldog family? No. Actually, my mom went to the University of Alabama. Um, so bad. we kind of grew up as an Alabama family. My parents love football. My first word was actually touchdown. So I've been in a very wow. like, football-oriented family. You never family. told me that. I didn't know that. That's good. <laughs> my dad taught me the whole hand signal and everything. And so I did that. In your crib doing that? Yes. <laughs> I have two daughters that are doing the same thing. That's uh, great. That's great. Um 
what is the game day experience like for you? So, um, so this, like, yeah, yeah, just walk us through, like, yeah. say, the Tennessee game. What, what, getting up in the morning and, and just do that the whole day? I get up pretty early to, you know, get ready, do hair, makeup, pick an outfit, and then I do go hang out at um, my boyfriend's fraternity house, and we all kind of watch the previous games, talk about the upcoming game. We all walk over, and that's really when the fun begins. You know, you're there, you're in the stadium, the environment is just so electric. We're standing the whole time, cheering, singing all the songs, really just enjoying it. And then once the game kind of finishes, we walk back and then usually have a restful night at home watching the evening games if there is any, and if not, just having a nice dinner and relaxing after the energetic um, atmosphere of the game, because it kind of takes it out of you sometimes. What was it like seeing Nick Saban come over to the student section uh, after game on Saturday? It was really incredible, you know, with what he had to say beforehand that the, you know, fans really create the atmosphere, you know, to have him him think the students was really you know special because you know we love cheering on the team and or at least I do and so to have him acknowledge that and you know kind of give us the hint or impression that we helped the tides turn in the game was really special to me and not something I've encountered in my three years here. Did you sense that the students were louder than usual last Saturday? I did. I felt like, especially in this one, even during commercial breaks as a student section, we all kind of like continued to stand instead of sitting every commercial break. And it just felt like the energy was just a lot more, especially in the second half. Like that is like almost comparable to LSU of my freshman year. Like when it came down to the wire, it was just completely electric and did feel very different. Give us your thoughts on what happened uh, at Brighton Stadium last Saturday and, and this team as a whole. I think that each week we are seeing progression, and that is very, in, you know, encouraging to see not only as a fan but as you know, just a football personnel in general. I think that as each week goes, they're learning to grow and maybe progress better together, learn each other's rhythm, and from that, I think we'll have good success. I hope that you know they can continue to build on what we had in the second uh, second you know half last week, and just keep that momentum rolling for the rest of the season because it's seemed, you know, that that was a good success for them. They seemed to roll. It was, you know, it felt like what people would say, the old Alabama, like the team that everybody knew and was, you know, expecting to see. So I feel like if they can just continue to build their relationships together and practice and work on confidence, I think that the team will be in good hands. Yeah, I know for the first time in, what, 15 years, we walk into that stadium this year going, are we going to win? And it's been a long time since we've had that feeling. Um, it's different. Um, I do have a question for you. Are you part of the student section that leaves the game before it's oh, over? Oh, she's. Or do you stay for the whole game? I stay for the whole game. I absolutely love the environment of college football. So for me, staying is super important. I um, even look forward to traveling with um, Alabama as I become a senior. So I absolutely stay for the whole thing. To me, it's like even singing, you know, Rammer Jammer, Yellowhammer at the end of the game. Like that's important to me. So I like to stay and enjoy all those moments. I don't remember if we had any uh, Alabama football players in, in our class, our particular class, but how do students view the players? I mean, they are students first, or supposed to be student athletes. Uh, did you view them, or are they viewed as equal? 
I would say so. I had a sports hospitality class with about five or six players last year. And, you know, they were just as engaged in class as the rest of us. They were doing the assignments. They even came on game days, even, you know, when they had a flight in a couple hours. So they seemed to be just as present in class as the rest of us. And the teachers, you know, would still engage with them, joke around with them just like they would with the rest of us. You know, sometimes they'd tell us funny stories about practice or something like that. So I feel like both teachers and students really, you know, pretty much treat them as equals and they do a really good job of interacting with us the same way. I always thought it was cool when they first you didn't recognize you not you would know the name but then you know they do call roll once, right? At the very beginning of the year. Oh yeah. Um, I, I was sitting there and suddenly he went Jack O'Rear. He was a quarterback back in the seventies. And he went, Hummer He's sitting right behind me. I mean I just got I got kind of giddy. But then, as I grew older and took more classes, they were in a lot of classes. So it's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And I just, I can't imagine what you're going through now and what I was going through when, when Coach Bryant was here. Back to back. Do you get spoiled? Are you spoiled? Um, I feel like after the great success Alvin has always had, you kind of expect, you know, like a big-time playoff game or, you know, even a national championship like that. So I feel like it's easy to get into that mindset. Um, but I think it's important now to understand that as, you know, players come and go, sometimes those opportunities aren't guaranteed and it takes, you know, time and for relationships to build and talent to mesh. So I think it's important to kind of almost break out of that mindset a little bit because it's going to lead you to be more disappointed in the team when really maybe you're just holding it to an expectation that you shouldn't because it has new players and, you know, new coaches and new everything like that. So I feel like to be understanding and maybe not expect the greatest all the time. It's hard. It's hard it is to. tough. I'm telling you, you go into a stadium when I was there, we expect everybody 65 to nothing. And you know what? Often they did. <laughs> hey, Lars, are these students this good before or after you? They take your class. They're this good before. I can't. They're really. You you brought a couple by here, and they've been fantastic. Uh, Dallas Um, is, uh, as you can tell, very impressive young woman. All right, Dallas, Larley. Here's here's the deal. Lars and I are going to go belly up to the bar. Y'all got the show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 